We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, hey there, and welcome to the show. This is uh, the second edition of IB Nation Sports Talk. If you were watching or listening yesterday and you're here today, welcome back and thank you, Brian Driscoll. Yes, I used the right countdown today. I did not use the right one yesterday, but hey, it was day when there was bound to be some kind of mistake. And if the biggest mistake was the countdown clock, which countdown clock I used, I guess I'll take that. But uh, if you if you were with us yesterday, thanks for stopping back by today. It's great to have you with us. We uh, spent a lot of time on yesterday's show talking about Notre Dame making the College World Series. You know, big news there, obviously. Former Notre Dame baseball coach Pulmonary also joined me for some extended College World Series uh, discussion. Um, you can uh, you know find that on our YouTube page as well on uh, you know all the audio podcasts platforms, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. I did just see a comment in the chat that says your connection is a little bit laggy. Uh, we had big storms blow through South Bend last night, and everyone's internet, from, from what I've been able to tell, pretty much everyone's internet connections have been affected by the storms. So I'm hoping that that, you know, might be something that we have to deal with today. I apologize, but Literally, like right after last night's show ended, big old storms blew through and and everything else. So, again, thanks for being here today. Bear with us. Hopefully, you know maybe the connection gets a little get a little bit better at some point. But uh, glad to have you here today. Vince D'Addario is going to be back with me here in a few minutes. But first, you know you've heard that old saying: if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And now, for starters. Grammar police, you know, don't come at me. Don't ding me for saying ain't because, you know, that's part of the actual saying. But, you know, nobody says if it's not broken, do not fix it, you know. But if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You've heard it. And, you know, maybe you've said it before. Pretty sound advice. Don't mess with what's working. And in general, pretty sound advice. Although, you know, in recent years, I think you can probably find a lot of examples of things that, you know, were working, but eventually broke to some degree or another due to various factors. I mean, take Major League Baseball, for example. It became broken, and it's largely due to all the analytics and, you know, over-reliance on data. It was a pretty good sport, pretty good game, but eventually it kind of broke itself, you know, like 
Major League Base, and I say Major League Baseball specifically because you know, like we talked a lot about Notre Dame. Notre Dame plays, uh, you know, and college baseball plays really the kind of game that you know a lot of us, you know, forty and over folks grew up watching. It's just, you know, it's a lot different game than what they're playing at the major league level today. But uh, you know, you can argue that the game itself, take the labor negotiations out of it, the game itself was doing pretty well. But you know, all the algorithms, data, and all that stuff is you know, it's just a lot different now in the last fifteen or twenty years. So. Thanks, Billy Bean, for that. But technology and specifically the internet is also kind of thrown at you know, like a huge wrench into the traditional, you know, the machinery of traditional media, TV, radio, newspapers. You know, they were all cruising along doing their thing. They tried, you know, they 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 tried to stick with the if it ain't broke, don't fix it mantra, but it's really kind of kicked them in the collective crotch, is what it's done. You know, it's like newspapers shutting down, you know, radio stations and, you know, going more syndicated and stuff like that. But, you know, many of the, you know, well, I'll just, I'll just like, even now Netflix, you know, which was the king of the streaming hill, not that long ago, driving force, you know, they've got their own problems, but again, you know, sometimes things are broken and the people in charge don't even realize it. You know, it's kind of like the Kevin Bacon, remember in animal house when he's running around the parade gets attacked and it's like, all is well. He's in his ROTC uniform and all that, you know, and then he gets trampled, of course. And that takes me to today's topic, college football. For years, the NCAA tried to tell you all was well, nothing to see here. We're doing just fine. But there have always been flaws. You know, like the game on the field itself is still a great game, college football, but it's the NCAA, you know, they were like an ostrich burying their head in the sand, you know, and like, Name, image, and likeness right now. College football is a great game, great sport. There are some things that I would change, though, if if I had my say. And that's kind of where we're going today. We're going to talk about that. And I already see some comments coming up in our uh, in our comments section here. So throw some at us. Shout out Top Gun Freeman. That, that's right, WKRP in Cincinnati. Vince was right. We got our first you know WKRP comment tonight so thanks for that but uh, you know i'm not going to touch nil really i think it's something that obviously needs to be fixed it was like a year ago at this time i think that nil you know was essentially instituted we know it needs to be fixed i don't know what they can do to fix it because there was no foresight in instituting it they were essentially forced to do it you know they wanted the the ncaa wanted to pocket all the money themselves but the, and they didn't want to distribute the money, you know, to anybody but themselves, obviously not to the players. So here's what I would do, though, if I had my say, changing college football, some things that I think would be good for it. I start with expanding the college football playoff. And I've been talking about this for a while. You know, when that working committee first suggested expansion last summer, I wasn't that thrilled about it. I didn't think that expanding the playoffs was necessarily going to help anything. But the more I kind of sat and thought about it and kind of as the season went along and it was becoming obvious, it's like, okay, we're going to have Alabama and Georgia again in the playoffs. You know, Alabama has been in the playoffs for seven of the eight years that they've had the college football playoffs. Clemson's been there in six of eight years. Ohio State, Georgia, Oklahoma, they've gobbled up most of the other spots. And, you know, like Notre Dame has obviously been in there a couple of times and 
you know, they're the most deserving teams. And I don't have a problem with the most deserving teams getting in there, you know, based on merit. But I also don't think that a handful of teams, you know, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, I don't think the same teams being in there over and over and over again is good for the sport because you basically got one corner of the country where all the representation is coming from in the playoff. And I think that I do think a 12 team format makes the most sense. And the reason why PAC 12, big 10, they've been pushing for an expansion that guarantees the champions from the power five conferences in the playoff. I don't like that, you know, because the, what that means is you could have like a nine and three, eight and four PAC 12 champ in the playoff. And that does water it down because they're probably going to be ranked around, you know, 25th and getting one of the top five spots. I don't think that makes sense. But that may be, you know, that may be what happens because they want to expand the playoff and to get the votes needed to do it. There's probably going to have to be some give and take along those lines in terms of, you know, automatic bids for champions. But if it's an eight team format and the top five conference champs get the guarantees, that only leaves three at large spots for a pool of teams that are going to be a lot more deserving than, you know, probably at least one, if not two of those power five champions. You know, so I would rather see it go to 12 because then you get more at large spots. And if you're a Notre Dame fan, you know, that's that's a big part of what Notre Dame is holding out for right now. It wasn't just Brian Kelly. It's you know, that's that's good for Notre Dame. If they can get it to 12, that's why Jack Swarbrick was part of that committee and recommended 12 last year. Um, and, you know, again, you know, you're probably even if you go to 12, you're probably still going to end up with one of those, you know, Alabama, Clemson, Georgias, at least one, if not two of them playing for the championship. But I mean, that's what happens in the NBA and the NFL. Most of the time, you know, you still have more teams in the playoffs. The best teams make it to the end, but it's more entertaining watching meaningful games in December to me than watching a bunch of bowl games that have really become meaningless. So I will, uh, I'll leave it at that. I have a few more ideas, but I want to bring Vince D'Addario in and see what Vince thinks. Because I know a lot of people are sitting here and we're, you know, we're, again, I haven't had a chance to look real closely at uh, the chat stuff yet, but let's, uh, let's bring Vince in. I'll get some of his thoughts because I have, I have some other things that I would change as well. I start Ooh. with the college football playoff. I think the last time you and I talked about this, Vince, we kind of agreed on this, expanding the playoff. Are you still in on expansion? I, I am in on expansion, and it's not just because I think that opens the door for Notre Dame. Like, I mean, it bursts the door open for Notre Dame, to be honest with you, if if there's expansion. But I, I do like the idea of expansion just because – and I and it's scary because – only certain certain seasons is where expansion is really good and then there's other seasons where is there even really four good teams that right compete for the college football playoff you know what i mean and i i hesitate to expand only because i don't want a bunch of random nobodies in there that just don't deserve to be in there i, I didn't like when they expanded the ncaa tournament for 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 basketball Right, you're just expanding it for people that are—they're not going to win. They're not going to win the championship. But again, just, you know, it's like, a resume builder for them. What the, the what the bowl system has become now with the with the college football playoff, you know, the four teams plus all the rest of the bowls. To me, you know, there are some interesting matchups, but none of them none of them mean anything. Yeah, right. No, and I so agree. With I that. would I would rather see a first round 
you know, 11, ver you know, 12 versus seven, you know, whatever, 12 versus five or whatever it would be. I would rather see that in the first round and then whittle it down, you know, funnel, funnel those teams, you know, it, toward, you, you know what I mean? No, 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 I do. Toward know the top four teams who are going to get a buy and all that. I would rather see that than what we've got right now. I think it makes more sense. And I also think that if you've got more rep, you know, because again, Notre Dame, Ohio State, you know, Cincinnati obviously made it last year. Michigan made it last year. But you've really got the southeastern part of the country where all these power schools come from. Then you've got kind of a, a little grouping here in the Midwest, and the rest of the country has no representation. And like right. we've seen with Notre Dame that – like we've seen it with recruit. Now, with Marcus Freeman, the recruiting has obviously gone way up in the last Absolutely. year since Marcus Freeman. But even after Notre Dame made the, their first college football playoff, we saw an uptick in the, in the caliber of players that that Brian Kelly was able to get. So I, I I think that just by being in the playoff, you know, you're going to get a boost. Now you know now what has happened since then. Obviously, is NIL and how that affects it. But again, that's to me that's too big a rabbit hole. But I guess my point is still, just by being in the playoff, like kids in California can say, well, I don't have to go to Alabama. Or I don't have to, you know, go to, to Georgia or whatever. Yeah, to win a national championship if we're at least represented out here, you know, somewhere closer to the West Coast than you know going all the way across the country if if it's a five star kid. Yeah, I get that. I see where you're coming from, and I, I I'm look as a fan, I am all for good football, like good football matchups, matchups that make sense, matchups that are going to you know create a good product right so many of these bowl games that's not the case that's not yeah. the case anymore and the bowl games are really increasingly meaning nothing and that's my biggest problem i used to love watching bowl games growing up you know the new year's day games and i'm not talking oh, yeah. about the new year's six now i'm talking about when you had the pac 12 you know versus the big 10 and going to the rose bowl yeah actually like meant something like early 90s deal. you know like being in college right you know, let, let's face it new year's day so you know i've probably had a few pops the night before but uh, you know like rolling out of bed with my roommates yes. and there's like 10 games on four of them going on at the same time and you got it's just multiple like, tvs up yes. with the rabbit ears and everything yes. making it work and i miss that okay we're never going to go back to that we're unfortunately never... and that and right. that's why i think an expanded playoff would at least get us closer to that because you've got more you know because that's like the only thing good like as much as we complained you know the fact that you could have number one in one bowl number two in the other they could both be undefeated and there's national champion championship implications in both games you right know? well and i like the fact that what was it i can't remember see brian and you or everybody else in this planet is better at trivia and, and you know the history than i am but there, you know, there's been plenty of times where a number five team, for example, went out there and just dominated the bowl game, and they leapfrogged a bunch of guys and and won the national championship. Like that, yeah. that kind of thing has occurred. And so I like having the option of more people with their hand in the cookie jar having the ability to win the national championship, right? And if you expand the playoff, it's more than four. And yeah. I would say more often than not, there's more than four teams with a legitimate gripe to be able to play for the national championship. And so I have no problem with that being the case and expanding it a little bit. I, I just, I, there are rules and things that I would want to make sure 
that it's not too watered down. You know what I mean? I'm sure. Like I'm fine with the conference champions and then, you know, the, the at large bids and things like that. You know, how many group of five teams do you really want in there? You, you can bring one every year. I would say only bring one if it's, it's deserved, frankly, you know, don't have one just to have one. I, I think that's kind of silly. So, I mean, there would be things that I would want to, you know, make sure of, but I'm all for expanding it because I think you're going to get a better quality of football. I think more guys are going to play in those games than sit them out, which I think and is that's, important. You no, know, that's, that's a factor too. You know, yeah. like Kyle Hamilton maybe doesn't sit out the Fiesta Bowl if that's a playoff game instead. Right. Exactly. You know, like just, and he just, said that. Just as an exit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so you're, you know, you're going to get more guys playing. So you're going to get better quality football. I'm all for that. I it, Whatever increases the quality of football on the field, I'm all for it. And if it brings a little bit something back to some of these bowl games, then I'm all for that as well. So if that's what expanding means, then I'm all for it. It just has to be done the right way. Timeout Tom says he would improve the method teams are selected to the football playoff and you know that's you know human factor right now you can make the same case when you're talking about you know ncaa tournament college baseball tournament link right. jared obviously doesn't like you know it's like we're we're trusting people and you know like i can tell you that I'm tr- well, I'll just say this because there is a there's a guy who's on the college baseball selection committee this year. Oh, okay. You heard you heard me tell a story last year about a complete recruiting cluster F that that <laughs> happened back in the day when this guy was on staff. Um and he's he was on the selection I'll, I'll tell this story maybe next week or something there when we have go. more time. But I'll tell the I'll tell the whole story cuz you're going to want to hear it. And you're not going to believe it, but this guy was a baseball coach, an assistant coach, and now he's an athletic director and he is on the selection committee. And, you know, when I see what happened to Notre Dame and I know that this guy is on the committee, it's like, there's no wonder. It's no wonder that, that the the process is as bad as it is, you know? So I don't know exactly what the process would be. You know, we had BCS rankings where you've got all the computers and all that stuff. I don't know that that was a great system, but. You know, so I don't know. I don't know what the what the change would be. You haven't you haven't thrown anything out. So what what would you change, Vince, if you could change something about college football to improve it? Ooh, that is a good question. I, you know, the I mean, again, it the NIL thing is a, is a, a a money pit, and I, I I guess I didn't mean it that way, but it's a it's a rabbit hole that I don't want to go down per se. That needs all of the change, all of the time. Like right. that needs to be fixed. So I think we can both agree with that. Yes, I, I will eliminate college football. Yes. Like other people, like John, I see saying that, or not. Yeah, el- eliminate nil. You know, yeah. not eliminate. I, yeah, because they're never going it. to eliminate it. Now it's figuring right. out, figuring out how to get it under control. And yeah. again, that's that's the issue because the NCAA basically just said forever. They didn't want to deal with it. And that's why right. we're stuck with the, the swamp mess that it is right. Well, and, and that's the thing. I have no problem with players making money off their name, image, image and likeness. I have no problem with that whatsoever. I think it's yeah. deserved. I think it's long overdue. I think that's fine. And frankly, there's no way to make it fair with all the players across the board. Like that's just not that, you know, the, 
the backup long snapper is not going to make as much money as the starting quarterback. And that right. there's no way to make that fair. Okay. Right. The backup long snapper, if he's on scholarship is making a lot of money as it is. So you got, sometimes you just have to be happy with what you've got. But right. if we're talking about, if we put NIL to the side, right. I, I would really like some more stringent rules on recruiting. I think as far as, times when you can communicate with recruits and times yeah. when it's just a dead period. Right. I, I think that college football in general is burning coaches out. And the fact that coaches have to be on 24 hours a day because of cell phones and FaceTime and mm -hmm. all of those different things, the fact that they have to be on all the time is ridiculous. And I, I think that that's asking way too much of them. I realize many of them at the high power five level, are making all kinds of money. I get it. They're making way more than you and I combined, right? But there's plenty of other coaches that are not making that kind of money, and they're expected to be recruiting and doing all of these things practically 12 months out of the year. And I think it's way too much. I think the NCAA is way behind when it comes to technology and you know that kind of stuff. Before, it was like, okay, well, you can't make phone calls. Well, you can still text, and you can still you know do all these different things. And I, I think that needs to be fixed. There, there needs to be more stringent rules. That's for sure. I would also say that uh, I think that, oh, what was I going to say? I had one more, one more thing I was going to say, and it completely <laughs> lost my train of thought. I'm sure you did. That. Oh, man. Well, that's what I, that, I'll stick with that. I'll stick with the coaches thing. I think that okay. needs, oh, oh, the, I, I still think athletes should have to sit out for a year when they transfer. I think the transfer portal has gotten completely out of control. It is a free agency situation at this point. It has gone beyond let's be fair to the kids situation. Okay. If your coach leaves, then you can transfer. Right. That's fine. Because that was always the big, well, if a coach can leave, then why can't the players leave? Okay. If your coach leaves, you can leave. I have no problem with that, but it, it, it can't be, what it is right now. I mean, yeah. it is absolute free agency. There are literally 10 times the amount of kids well, in the transfer portal that they get picked up for an actual team. It's yeah. out of control. Well, I think, you know, like the thing with Jordan Addison and, the, and that whole situation. Right. right. You, because now, you know, again, it's the combination of what you're talking about with NIL that really has just made this total chaos. Because, okay, if you're going to have NIL, and you're essentially going to lure a player who's under scholarship and was not even in the transfer portal from one exactly. school to the next. If you also have the stipulation that, hey, by the way, you can take your NIL money, but once you get there, you're going to have to sit for a year. Yes, you know, that, right. That changes things. It and, absolutely changes things. Like yeah. the, the kid from Georgia Tech, the running back who transferred to Alabama. Right. That kid was signed, sealed, and delivered before he ever entered the transfer portal that he was going to go to Alabama. Mm -hmm. That's messed up to me. You know what I mean? All the back channel talks and, you know, I talked to the dad of the cousin of the friend of the whatever, and we wanted to make sure he knew that he had a scholarship at Alabama and some NIL money on top of it. All he had to do was get into the transfer portal. Right. That's messed up. And the fact that he gets to play right away, I, I don't like it. There needs to be more rules about that. I, I don't like it. It's it's not so, being used properly. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We've talked pretty broadly. Here's, here's one specific rule, like specific to the game itself that I would change. Got to change the targeting rule. I hate the targeting rule in college football. It's a horrible rule because, I mean, to eject a player for the equivalent of a full game based on a many times subjective call because, you know, you've got, you know, change of direction, change, you know, like player, you know, like we saw it in a Notre Dame game last year, you know, when one player is significantly taller than the other and you're trying to figure out how do I geometrically make this tackle without, without our helmets you know, connecting. I, I think that it needs to be first offense in a game is just a standard personal foul, 15-yard penalty, because it is still a subjective call a lot of times. Absolutely. As, you know, as to whether or not, you know, it, it actually should be a targeting. So first time, 15-yard penalty. Second time, uh, no, 15-yard penalty, plus instead of you've got to sit for an entire game, You've got to sit for one series, basically. Minimum four plays. So, like, if it's first down, the series just started, you know, that series for the other team goes eight plays, then you sit eight plays. But you've got to sit a minimum of four plays. So that would be, you know, again, because it, then you're you're essentially still kind of putting the guy in a timeout. You're saying, okay, go stand on the sideline. Now, if you do this again, second time in a game, then again, 15-yard penalty, obviously, but now it's in – and ejection. What do you right. think about that change? Yeah, no, I'm I'm absolutely dialing that one back is absolute because too many times <clears throat> the the targeting penalty, whether you agree with it being targeting or not, I would say 90% of the time it was unintentional. Yeah. Right. Not that there's still a few out there where it was pretty clear, you know, he was dropping his head and he was trying to injure or whatever. That right. That's still what it is. I get that. But mo- nine times out of ten, it was an unintentional hit. Like, like if you hit a guy with the crown of your helmet, right? Then I think that that's different. But again, it's like, you know, when you're grazing, you know, helmet to helmet because you're just trying to make a tackle, but you right. know, you're not, you're not quite in the right position. I don't know what you're accomplishing by ejecting a player. Yeah, absolutely. I, I fifteen yard penalty is bad enough. Okay, it, I mean that's a that's a drive 
extender. It's all of those different things. And so I think that's bad enough, frankly. If it happens again, okay, now you can start talking about maybe a half suspension, like a, a suspension of a half or the right. rest of the game. When it when it extends into the next game, I think is when I have a huge issue where we're sitting there, whoo, thank God that was the first half. That way we got, you know, we got him for the next game. Like that's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. I, I don't like that at all. I don't well, like then, it being extended to the next game. Yep. I completely agree. And then the other thing that I would change the replay system in college football has got to go. Why can't we just go to the NFL yes, system? It's they've got right a system, there. Yeah. Right they've got there. a system that works. It's just not that hard because when you couple the fact that in college football, you can replay every play virtually if you want to. They have the, the you know, the authority, you know, to challenge or, or replay any play. And then you've got long college half times. You've got the fact that the clock stops on every first down, you know, so you've got three and a half to four hour games going on. I just yeah. think, you know. The replay challenges predominantly come from the booth, you know, and it's just like they're just trying to cover it. It seems like in a lot of cases what it comes down to suspect officiating, you know, with with some of the replays. Just go with the NFL system. You know, that's you start start with two challenges. Coach calls for, you know, the coach calls for the challenge. You throw the red flag on the field. You've got to use a timeout to initiate the challenge. If it's upheld, you get the you know, you get the timeout back. Right. And if both of your challenges are upheld in the course of the game, you get a third challenge. And, you know, and then, of course, in the final two minutes, everything comes from the booth. I don't know why college can't just do that rather than replay every single play potential. There are just too many reviews in a college football game. Well, and on top of that, it's clear that every college has replayability because they're doing replay as it is. Mm-hmm. They need to minimize the amount of replays and having coach challenges – is going to do that. Now you can still say that every scoring play is going to be reviewed. That's fine. I, again, nine times out of 10, it's obvious whether it's a score or not. So those reviews usually happen pretty fast to yeah. be honest with you. And frankly, they go to a commercial break every time a score is made anyway. So it doesn't really extend the life of the game as it is. So yeah, I'm all for it. I, the, and, and the thing to me is the replay system in college is so confusing I don't even understand when they're allowed to go to replay, when they right. don't go to I, – I, it, it makes no sense to me. And I feel like I'm a pretty well-versed person in college football and football yeah. in general. I should be able to understand when it's okay to go to a replay and when it's not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's yes. so complicated. That's the problem. Yes. I completely, completely agree. And uh, I, was, I was looking through <sighs> – Yeah, let's uh, – I tell you what. We've talked about this for a while. If you you know if if our listeners viewers have more suggestions that they'd like to make, go ahead and shoot them to us. We can always use them during an, another show. So you know, glad to do that. But you want to move on to rapid fire? Oh, I love me some rapid fire. Plus, we have some topics that we didn't get to yesterday. So I got to pull yes. out the notebook because <laughs> yeah, I right. had them all written down. Dun, 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 dun. That's right. By the way, thanks for all the love on the WKRP shirt. I do appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I told you it'd be a hit. You know, you. yeah. Your I don't have is- Lonnie's. I don't have Lonnie's phone number as much as I as much as I wish uh, I did. <laughs> you're gonna be you're gonna be the the t-shirt guy. That's what's That's gonna right. happen here. Yeah. That's right. All right. So rapid fire time. Fill in the blank on this first one. All right. I love this one. It's blank that Notre Dame baseball players 
were seen out in Knox in a Knoxville, Tennessee bar Sunday night singing Rocky Top after they had just finished off Tennessee in their super regional. So that was current Notre Dame baseball players? Like they were yes. they, they were still there that night, which I think is freaking great, by the way. Well, they didn't they didn't come home until yesterday. I actually talked to the SID. Oh. Apparently, you know, because they they're because it's the NCAA tournament, everyone's chartered out there by the NCAA. Oh, well, I found gotcha. this out during the women's basketball tournament. There's a shortage of pilots and charters. Huh. So they didn't come home until like yesterday. I think they got on campus at like 5.30 yesterday, more than 24 hours after finishing their game against Tennessee That's Sunday. Hilarious. So, yeah, so they were still in Knoxville, and there's video of them at a bar singing Rocky Top. Well, since all of them are like graduates and like six-year players, obviously <laughs> we're cool with them being at a bar, which I'm totally fine with. And right. the fact that they were singing Rocky, Rocky Top is – trolling at its finest people okay and it's not hiding behind your keyboard it's wearing your irish gear that's right singing rocky top in the middle You're of Knoxville, tennessee beautiful it's beautiful yes. it's beautiful i love yeah. it love it as as uh i don't know is this troll hunter d yes the yeah, troll, troll hunter. hunter yeah he said rocky top after every home run was just <laughs> i mean could you imagine i mean it's like i I don't know. They they love that song down there, but they hit a f- 158 home runs this season. It's That's like a lot of rocky. It top. seems like that would get old pretty quick. You know yes. that in the mink that in that ugly mink coat coat would get old pretty quick. But I think it's awesome. It's you know it's like just kind of like we we talked about with the home run celebration that they do yesterday. It was them. They were all just hanging out together. Love you know it. they weren't up in anybody's faces. They were doing their thing. You know kicking a few back. And, you know, it's like, all right, all right, you know. You, it's great. You, yeah. Like, Celebrating with your teammates. I mean, they, look, that's a huge win. That That is a generation-defining win. They were the number one overall seed, and they got beat by an unranked Notre Dame team, at least unranked in the tournament, right, because they were right. outside the top 16. So yeah. they're unranked Notre Dame team 20 years after they did it the last time. They do it again. They do it to Tennessee in their home in their own backyard. It's it's great, man, and they're celebrating as a team. Awesome, absolutely. Yes. It would have been better if they were wearing mink great. coats, but other than that, <laughs> that would have been awesome if they could scrounge up some mink coats in the middle of Knoxville, Tennessee, <laughs> like and go hang have, out at the yeah, bar. <laughs> they should have like hit up like uh, you know the Goodwill or something like that. Uh-huh. Like, give me your mink coats. You know anything that looks like a mink coat? We're wearing them out yeah. tonight. You know, but you're right too. It's like half the team are, are grad students. Yeah. Right. You know, so they're all, they're, they're all like 30 years old out there. They had to leave like 10 guys. I know they're not literally the 30, but <laughs> they had to leave like only 10 guys back. At That's the hotel, right. You know? That's right. Jack Findlay, one of the best players <laughs> yeah. in the tournament, the pitcher, he's like, he's a freshman. Sorry, Jack, you know, you can't come because sit here and drink your diet week. Coke in the yes. hotel. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> or Mountain Dew. Have a Gatorade. That's right. Yeah. All right, Vince, you're a baseball coach, of course. So, Let's take pitching out of the equation on this question I'm about to ask right. here because, I mean, every baseball team needs great pitching. That's a given, right? But what is one thing that you see from this Notre Dame baseball team that you'd like your team to be good at? So what I thought they do a really good job of is just getting the bat through the zone and just making contact, putting yeah. the ball in play. Too many times kids get enamored with the home run or they get enamored with just trying to beat the snot out of the ball and just getting the butt, you know, the the exit velocities and all of these different metrics that now people are talking about, I think has hurt 
hitting in general, just making contact, putting yeah. it in play. Tennessee was talked about as an all-time team, right? They were they they were potentially the best baseball team ever in college baseball and all of these different things, right? Well, guess what? When Notre Dame put it in play, they made errors. They they were not That's perfect right. in the field. I was I was shocked that those two teams went into the weekend tied, you know, like they were both top 10 team or you know right around top 10 in fielding percentage. They both basically had the same fielding percentage. You wouldn't have known it by watching Tennessee. Nope. Like nope. Tennessee looked like a horrible fielding team, but yes. they're basically statistically this supposed to be the same team, you know, from yes. a fielding standpoint. And it was very hard to watch at times. Yeah. But guess what? Notre Dame puts the ball in play. That's what happens when you make teams have to make plays. Yes. Make them that's have right. to make a play. And that, that's right. There, there was a stat that I had heard, and I can't remember what the exact number was, but it was like 94% of all plays defensively are routine plays. 94%. So you're yeah. talking 6% of the crazy dives and the, you know, the right. amazing plays and all these different things. If you can make the routine plays, you're going to be really, really good making 94% yeah. of your plays. And their, right? their fielding percentage is like 980 or something like that. And, and, and so. you know what I mean? So make them make plays because clearly not everybody can make the routine play. And Tennessee wasn't able to make the routine play on numerous occasions over the weekend because Notre Dame put the ball in play. So I think Notre Dame does a yeah. really good job of just slowing their swings down, putting the ball in play, making things happen. They had bunts for hits. I mean, they, they did a really good job of just putting the ball in play. Yeah, I agree. I agree with all of that. And, you know, that's a big thing. Just like, you know, because the home runs were basically just, you know, the the result of making good contact and, you know, being on time and, you know, really, you know, again, I think it comes down to approach and preparation. You know, they have an idea of what they're going to see because like they also rarely pop up. And, you know, if you pop up, it's typically because you're early in your swing, and that means you were probably fooled by something. You know, right. so you're, you know, you're popping up the changeup or the curveball or whatever it happens to be because you're, you know, you're you're out front. And you just get underneath it a little bit early. You know, but they rarely pop up. Like you saw Tennessee right. pop up a lot more. Why? Well, they're home run reliant. You know, they're they're thinking about, you know, getting getting up. Yeah. And, and getting it out that, you know, they rarely pop up. They rarely ground into double plays or just solid contact all the way around. And yeah, that's so, I, I completely agree. I love everything about their offensive approach. Mm-hmm. They're just so prepared, so ready yes, to go. That's you know, the and then key right there. Yeah. They're prepared. And then there's havoc on the bases as well with the 78 stolen bases and everything they do there, which I so. love. I mean, granted it got them into trouble a few times over the weekend. Don't get me wrong, but if you're going to be aggressive on the base pass, sometimes that stuff's going to happen. You know what I mean? And And that's, just the chance that you have to take if you're going to be an aggressive base running team. But, yep. man, I, I love being aggressive on the base pads. I, I almost am not aggressive enough at times as a high school baseball coach because I get so excited when we actually have base runners. <laughs> so I'm like, I can't get you out, <laughs> you know. But I like right. that. You're Again, you're forcing the other team to make a play. And sometimes plays are made. Sometimes right. it's, the, it's the perfect relay and you get thrown out. But sometimes you got to take that chance too. Vanilla Chill in the chat says he likes the way they manufacture runs, stolen bases, bunting, lots of uh, running, and and uh, making the defense scramble. Thanks for putting that up there, Vince. No but yeah, it's I, that's I completely agree with that. Now we kind of touched on it yesterday. Like anytime Notre Dame gets runners on, they can start to manufacture whether it's stealing, bunt, hit and run, whatever it happens to be. And 
you know, again, it's like that's what Major League Baseball used to be back in the 1980s. Yeah. Not not necessarily the bunch, but it's like college teams, that's how college teams, you know, the good, consistent college teams succeed. And yep. I just uh, posted a story today at, at Irish Breakdown about why I think Notre Dame is going to be able to be successful at the College World Series because, it, you know, as, as we talked about with Paul Maneri yesterday, it's a big park. The park plays big. But when you're not home run reliant and you do these kind of things, yes. like small ball teams like Tennessee, Virginia, or not Tennessee, excuse me, uh, Vanderbilt. That's what I was thinking, the state of Tennessee. Vanderbilt, Virginia, UCLA, Oregon State, those kind of teams, they've all won national championships in the last 10 years just because they know how to use that, you know, their their offense is already geared to that ballpark, and I think Notre Dame's yeah. is as well. So I'm excited to see how that how that goes. Yeah, because, absolutely. You know, again, they obviously field well and pitch well too. So uh, it, Omar has a really good question, and, and it kind of goes to this a little bit. It says, "He says, is catcher the position player that most becomes a manager or a coach?" Well, you know, I haven't sat down and done a study, but, but I mean, overall, I, I think I that's think actually so. a pretty. I would think so because that's typically it's kind of like. A quarterback it's like that's the guy who's really most actively involved in the game at any given time you know like david ross with the cubs right now i'm trying to think of some other catchers joe girardi joe girardi before he got fired well <laughs> but, i mean uh, you know he's still been a manager you know he won a world he's, series yeah he's been successful he's been successful. you know i i know there have been a, probably so i would have to think so because I wouldn't be surprised to see Yadier Molina be a be a coach at some point. He yeah. feels very coach like to me. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, I, I I think that that's well. And and catcher's just different than everybody else. You can see the whole field in front of you. You yeah. see a lot of things happening. You have a lot of interaction with your coach as it mm-hmm. is. I mean, you're getting signals from the dugout. You're doing all kinds of different things. So you get kind of a feel of how a coach does things, right? And I, more so than I think any other player. On the field, frankly, you could say yeah. the pitcher, but the pitcher rotates. There's different pitchers all the time. A lot yeah. of times it's the same catcher. So he's dealing with the manager and he's dealing with the coaches and he sees everything go down and he's calling plays up there. He's doing all kinds of different stuff. So I think the position of catcher is also very coach like. And so the maturation process to being a coach, I think, is is a very easy one, to be honest with you. Yeah. Mark Avalone asks why there was so much use of the wristband signal sheets. That has come into vogue today. It's, yeah. you know, that's like college. If you notice, like you saw the Tennessee coaches do it more often, they can use, you know, like mm-hmm. the catcher can wear an earpiece and they can yep. talk into a walkie talkie. It basically speeds up the process. Like the yes. wristband speeds up the process. And if the defensive players are also wearing wristbands that, you know, and they see the signal, they can look at it, know what pitch is coming and yeah. position themselves and, and that kind of thing. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's become really probably in the last 10 years, it's become a lot more prevalent, you know, like even like, I'm sure you see it at the high school level, Vince, oh, yeah. if you don't, you know, you might even use it. I don't know, but yeah, like between, <clears throat> okay, you don't. Yeah. So, but we don't you see but a lot of, see a lot of them using them. Yep. That's right. And they, and that's they right. use them for, instead of, instead of the third base coach giving signals, he'll just, Three, one, two, and then yeah, exactly, and then yeah. So that, that's running. exactly what it is. It's all a number system. There's a grid yep. on those wristbands. Yeah, so you yell a series of numbers. The catcher looks and then flashes the sign. Yeah, so that's I'm that's old school. 
it annoys yeah. me when they're just yelling numbers. Like, come on, man, be creative. Get, you know, get you, get you, you know, come on. Yeah, go. but you've got sign stealers out there too. I know, so I know, you, I know. You do avoid that. You do. You're avoid not wrong. That. You're not wrong about that. Yep. But yeah, that's way more prevalent. I wish, honestly, I wish we could use the microphone. I might actually do that as opposed to the three one twos and the you know the numbers and stuff. But yeah, the microphone is actually a really good idea. Yeah, it's also work. You know, keeping up the wristband because I tried that before too, and like the. The catcher's wristband always, you know, gets like sweaty. So you're always redoing the cards and all that stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're not, you, yeah. And you're not allowed to wear them on your belt in high school. You got to wear right. them on your wrist. And there's so many rules and regulations. And yeah, yep. sometimes it's more bother than it's worth. But, yep. Okay, Vince, here's the big question now. <laughs> the Top Gun sequel, Top Gun Maverick, it's been the king of the box office for the last three weekends. Total box office. Creeping toward a billion dollars worldwide. Crazy, so crazy. I thought let's have a little fun with this, right? We're gonna match some Top Gun characters with Notre Dame football. So young Maverick. Who yes. do you have? Who on the Notre Dame football team is young Maverick? So I I I feel like this comparison is more wishful thinking hoping than maybe reality at the moment but i have him and maybe this is obvious but i have him paired up with tyler buckner and here's my reason why okay young a guy that has a lot of talent a lot of natural talent you know you could be the best pilot in the day you know that kind of thing he's uh -huh. he could be a really really good quarterback <clears throat> willing to take chances and those chances pay off. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I want out of a quarterback. I want you to be sound in what you're doing. I want you to have a lot of natural ability. But I want you to be able to take some chances. But I want those chances to pay off, obviously. They paid off for young Maverick most of the time. And, let you know, except for when he killed his reel. Uh, but other than that, they paid off for him almost every time. And that's what I want from a starting quarterback. So I put Tyler Buckner as young Maverick. Yeah, I had him in there as well, you know, because he's young. You know, he's not necessarily, like, brash like young Maverick and, you know, right. cocky and full of himself like that. But, you know, he's he's kind of that, you know, that like there's definitely some really good stuff in there, but it's still yes. kind of raw and it's just got to be put together, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, and, and so so that's, that's why I went with Tyler Buckner for nice. young Maverick as well. I completely agree. Nice. Love okay. It. What about what about old Maverick from from the new movie? From the new Talk movie, Maverick. right? Yeah. Yes. So this one still likes to take chances, right? He he's still that guy that you're not going to get the chance taking out of Maverick, no matter how old he is, whether he's 1986 or 2022. But he's a little bit more reserved. He's got he's he does have some 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 experience on his side, right? So I went with Brandon Joseph for this. One, okay. 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 Because He's got some experience. I mean, he's two years removed from being All-American. He is Lindy's number two overall safety. I mean, he's got the talent like we talked about. He got that natural ability, got that talent. He's still willing to take chances because I've seen him lay the wood in practice. He'll, he'll take some chances, and he'll lay out, and he'll do some good things, but he's got that experience behind him. So I went he with is. Brandon Joseph. Very experienced. One of the more experienced you know, players on the roster right now. I went with Avery Davis on this. I, and because kind of what you're talking about, like the experience, and like you remember, 
And again, I'm I'm not really spoiling anything here if you haven't seen the movie yet. But if you have, like early in the movie, Ed Harris, Ed Harris is one of the admirals, and you know, he's you know like coming down on on old Maverick, of course, and he's like, you know, your kind is becoming extinct, and 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 Maverick says, maybe so, sir, but not today. And that's kind of like Avery Davis. It's like you know, I might be done here pretty soon, but not today. All the injuries, he's coming back from the injury. He's still got something left in the tank. He's still very talented. You know, we've seen him make so many different moves over the course of his career. We know the talent and the skill is there. You know, he was really on the rise when he had that unfortunate ACL last year. So Avery Davis is my old man, Maverick. I like that. I like that because, (laughs) you know, he is kind of forgotten about when we're talking about the wide receiving core, right? He is from people – you know, from national people or, or however you want to look at it, people forget about Avery Davis. And I think he's going to have a, a big year. I mean, he was practically ready to come back in the blue gold game. I think if it was a regular season game, I have a feeling that he might have played. Obviously, no point in playing in the blue gold game. But, yeah. you know, he was going through drill work. He was doing all kinds of stuff. I, I think he's going to have, you know, pending health, obviously. Right. I think he's going right. to have a breakout year, and I think he's going to put his name back on the map where he was headed. He was trending in that direction. Yep. He's got That's some wheels. One. He's got That's some wheels. One. We know that. What about Iceman? Go back to the original. Who's Iceman? So, for me, I had to think about this one for a while, to be okay. honest with you. But as soon as I came up with the name, it was like, duh, yeah. So, Iceman for me is Michael Mayer. And Ooh, okay, I, Michael Mayer is a guy, not unlike Iceman, who if you talk to him, he'll tell you how good he is. I mean, he'll tell you how good he is. But on the field, when he's playing, he just plays the game. I mean, he's not overly, you know, rambunctious, and he's not, you know, doing all kinds of crazy stuff on the field. He's just playing the game at a higher level than everybody else. He's got ice in his veins. He's just doing his thing. And you can always count on him to be where he's supposed to be, do what he's going to do, and he's what he's – you know, arguably the best tight end, obviously the best, you know, one of the best at his position in the country. Iceman was arguably the best at his position in the country. That's why his name was on the plaque, not in the yeah, ladies' that's room. That's true. Best and of the best. There that's you go. Right. So it's Michael You Mayer. figured it out yet? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Who's the best? Who's the best? That's right. And that's, I remember like going into, I, I think, when was it? I guess it was training camp. Was it training camp last year? I think it was, you know, doing, you know, the interviews with Michael Mayer and, and I said, hey, did you surprise yourself, you know, with anything you did during your freshman year? And he's like, nope. You know, no, so it's no. like, same thing. It's just that confidence. He exudes yeah. confidence. And I mean, I could see Michael Mayer with the frosted tips and the whole thing. <laughs> I know, well, right? You know, and for the, that and the beach volleyball so, and all that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's right. I went back and forth between him and another guy. And I'll just go with the other guy since you okay. used Michael Mayer. I went with Jordan Batello. Or I'm going with Jordan Batello for a lot of the same reasons. It's like, you know, again, maybe there's more raw there. It's not quite the finished product as Michael Mayer, but just because, like, you can tell just what you said, like Michael Mayer's attitude. You can tell Jordan Batello obviously has a lot of confidence. Now he's got to kind of maybe reel it in and get it, you know, pointed in the right direction, but just kind of that, that Iceman attitude. I'll go with Batello. I like it. I like it. I like it. Very interested to see where we go from here. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know. Because now these last three, we could be all over the place. Yes, we these. could. And yes. I told you I was going outside the box with, with my last two. Yeah. But what about Rooster? He's Goose's son. You know, in, in the sequel, you know, instead of Goose, it is Rooster. They actually look a lot alike, Miles yes, Teller 
and young Anthony Edwards. So who's your rooster? My rooster is a player who has a lot of natural ability, just like rooster. He's got a lot mm -hmm. of natural ability, but he's got something to prove. He, he is, he's, he's, I don't want to say he's untested because obviously he was picked for this mission for a reason. Right. But like I know where you might be going, I'm, but he, I'm he's, he's got, a, yeah, he's got a lot to prove, but he's shown a lot of flashes of being the guy he just needs to have that opportunity to be the guy. And this is the year that Chris Tyree oh, is going to be okay. potentially okay. the guy in the backfield. And so I think he's, he's shown some flashes with that kick return and with some of the runs that he's had, he's shown some flashes, but he hasn't been able to be the guy yet. Like rooster rooster was given an opportunity to be the guy. He came yeah. through again, not giving up too much away there, but yep. I think Chris Tyree has an opportunity to be the guy here and I think he's going to run with it. So I went with Chris Tyree. I like that. I like that. I'll, I'll go with like, most everything you were saying there in the lead up, I thought you were going with the guy that I've got. He's on the defensive side of the ball, though. Okay. And, you know, talent. He's to some extent, you know, untested. He did have some opportunities two years ago, but he didn't get to play last year. But like when you watch this guy, there is obviously something there, especially what we saw from him in training camp last year before he had an injury that ended his season. All so right. my rooster is Maris Leofau. That's yeah. who I'm going with. The, I can uh, see that. I can the see linebacker that. that you know, because again, it's like young guy, all kinds of talent, but really is you know to to a great degree unproven because Leofau really you know he was like splitting time with Simon two years ago, Shane Simon, and then you know it was really just kind of like man that that Buck linebacker you know that was obviously not a great spot for Notre Dame defensively, but then. Marcus Freeman comes in. We saw a completely different Leah Felt was, you know, he was going to yeah. get his chance. He didn't get it last year. So he's still kind of really, you know, in terms of proving he can do it on Saturdays, he still hasn't had that opportunity. So that's where that's that's why I'm going with him. Okay. I like it. All right. Next, we're going to go back to the original again. Charlie from yes. the original, who of course was Maverick's girlfriend yeah. in the first movie. So who are you going with for your Charlie? So this is obviously you have to look past the fact that it was Maverick's girlfriend. That, like okay. that whole that whole part obviously is not going to fly with the Notre Dame football. <laughs> that doesn't work, right? So right, uh, I, I went with so my my characteristics of Charlie were you know one of the brightest in the field, you know, you know along those lines, you know, um, somebody who kind of sweeps in and shows how smart they are and has a lot of success and things of that nature. So I uh -huh. went with Tommy Reese. Oh, as, as okay. Charlie. Uh, okay. You know, a little bit of a guru to some extent, a guru trying to train these guys to do what got they, all the what, knowledge, what, yeah. what she wants them to do. He's doing the same thing on the offensive side. He's going to have an opportunity to have the offense to himself now. So I went with Tommy Reese as Charlie, which is weird. I know that doesn't sound right, but <laughs> that's the what that's the direction. I that's went. okay. I went, you know, I told you I went outside the box and maybe even cheated on these last oh, two. Okay. Because, uh, you know, these are not Notre Dame football players or, well, and you, you know, you went with a coach. Yes. But so, you know, Kelly McGillis obviously did not come back for the sequel as yes. Charlie. Yes. You know, we know what the reasoning was behind that. They basically just didn't ask her. Okay, and, you know, all right. I, you know, and I'm I'm kind of glad. I didn't think they needed that part of the storyline in there. I 
I wish they would have just taken a couple sentences and explained how maybe it fizzled out or whatever. Yeah. They didn't really yeah. cover it. That, that That's the only thing. That's She's like I a government it. contractor. She bounces all over the yeah, place, that's right? True. Yeah, that's so true. my Charlie, you know, again, remember, Kelly McGillis not asked, asked back for the sequel. I right. went with the former mental performance coach, Amber Selke, on this. Also, because also a blonde. That's right. Well, yeah. I mean, she was obviously, you know, we, we heard a lot about her, you know, big part of the last few years working for Brian Kelly with the mental performance aspect. But when Brian Kelly moved on, not asked back for the sequel. So yeah. that's that's my Charlie. Not asked to go to the bowl game either. Like, that was, <laughs> yeah, that's that's that right. It was an abrupt change. That's... It was. It was. And similarly, no real explanation, right? That so. is also very true. Very good point. Yeah, that, that at least not publicly. That's right. Uh, that's actually pretty funny. That's right. All right, our last one is Admiral Simpson, who is John Hamm's character in the sequel. So Admiral Simpson to me, so what I tried to do is I tried to come up with like characteristics of each person before I looked for somebody on the Notre Dame side to pair him up with, right? And to me... Admiral Simpson was just the guy that kept pushing back, mm-hmm. kind of the nemesis. It was kind He's of the annoying. That's the right. Agonist. And they succeeded despite Admiral Simpson, right? Yes. It's Brian I, I know where you're going. It's Brian I, Kelly. How could it not be Brian Kelly? How, how could it not be Brian Kelly? Touchdown. I, <laughs> yes. How could it not be Brian Kelly? That's I, right. I, I didn't know if that was going outside the lines, but I don't know how it couldn't be Brian Kelly. He was. We the painted antagonist. right. We painted right in the same direction. It's like he's hanging out in the room. You know, he's always there. It's like you could see, just like Admiral Simpson, you could see Brian Kelly. You know, like over on the side of the quarterback room, just barking stuff. And it's yes. like, all right, we get it, we get it. You know. Yes. So that's. Always has his I hand to in agree. too much, but then not enough. And he doesn't really understand what's going on with the rest of the group. Like, right. it's Brian Kelly. It's like, we got our game plan together. Do you have to, you know, it's like, I just threw away the rule book. Do you have to come back and show me the rules again? You know, <laughs> right. come on. Come exactly. on. That's right. I'm Perfect. I, I think we'll end on that because we ended up with the uh, exact same answer on the last <laughs> one. It's like, I went with that. And I kind of knew what I was going to do. I was wondering if you would go the same direction. So I'm glad that you did as well. All right. On tomorrow's show, we're going to have a new face that you're going to see on the other side. So I'm looking forward to that. I'll give you that surprise tomorrow. Also tomorrow, with this being College World Series week for Notre Dame baseball, this is also, as a lot of people No, the 20th anniversary, of course, of Notre Dame's 2002 College World Series team. I have three guys. Steve Stanley, who was an All-American in 2002, uh, drafted by the Oakland A's. Steve Solman, who was not an All-American, but was leading the entire nation with a batting average of over 700 going into the College World Series that year. And Brian Stavisky, he and Stanley were both drafted by the Oakland A's. Friday is the anniversary of their comeback win over Rice, ninth inning. Brian Stavisky's walk-off home run, Steve Stanley's triple, Steve Solman's RBI single, all in that uh, inning. Paul Maneri kind of referenced it at the end of the interview last night. But I've got those three guys, and we're going to go through. We're going to uh, play the radio call of that inning. We're going to go through the inning, all three, get their thoughts on everything that was happening and how it finished. I think it's going to be a lot of fun with uh, 
with Friday, again, being the anniversary of that College World Series win over Rice. All three of those guys tomorrow on the show. Looking forward to that. Boom. Can't wait. All right. Vince, enjoyed it as always. It was yes, a sir. fast hour as always. Yeah, no kidding. Always is, man. I, I'm That's glad right. we got to the Top Gun stuff, baby. And if That's you right. Can I just say, if you haven't seen the movie, I'm going to, you know, obviously I'm not getting paid by Top Gun, all right, or any of the people that are associated with it, but uh-huh. you got to go see this movie. I I think it was better than the first one. I'll just say it. I thought it was better than the first one. I thought the, the fighting and the, some of the aerial maneuvers and things were better than the first one. Now, granted, the airplanes are probably more maneuverable and things of that nature. Right. But I thought it was really, really good. I highly recommend it. Please go see it. Especially- I have- if you're a fan of the first one. I've seen it twice in the theaters. And it's been a long time. Like my wife and I, like we saw it opening weekend. And then like, I guess it was last, was it last weekend? No, it wasn't the weekend before. Uh, you know, we were like, we didn't have a lot going on. And I said, you know, I'd go see Top Gun again. And she's like, really? <laughs> yes, absolutely. And we picked, you know, like we picked up stuff the second time. We didn't pick up the first time. I love the first one. But I agree. I think the second one is a better movie. You know, part of it, I think, is the nostalgia that pulls you in Absolutely. if you did like the first one. And, and again, it's I talked about it at the start of the show yesterday. It was familiar. They're just like yes. things you know, and it's just like you drop back, and it's literally like your own life. It's like, you know, you sit, and it's, you know, 36 years down the road, and, you know, some, some things are – and some people are still in your life – some art, but it is a great movie. I completely agree. And like I've heard people who didn't even really like the first one that much who loved yeah. the, the, the sequel. As My well. wife is one of them. So. so she actually liked the second one better than the first one. She's like, I really like that a lot more than I thought I was going to. Like it, it was, and I think she just came for the popcorn, and but she really enjoyed the movie. So all your significant That's, others out there, take them because it's worth it. Larry Friedel says top two shows all time. I'm I'm guessing that you know that that's what he's saying. That top, and that's I, uh, within the last year on my old show, at some point I said, top, (laughs) my wife and I were out at a bar a few months back and, you know, and I I had had a few and for whatever (laughs) reason, probably more than a few, but I just turned to her and I said, Top Gun is the best movie of the (laughs) eighties. And she's like, what, what are you talking talking about? about? (laughs) And I mean, literally, was it the best movie of the eighties? No, but to me, it was the most entertaining yeah. movie of the 80s. And the fact that I can still, and I've literally, I've seen it a hundred times, and I can still watch it. Basically, I get to where Goose dies, and that's where I kind of, you know, it's like, you know. <sighs> yeah, it, no, I get that. It falls off there. But, it like, I can I can just keep watching over and over again. And if you can keep watching it over and over again, it's entertaining. And so that's that's no doubt. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's a great one. So go check it out and then you'll understand everything that we just talked about. So that's right. (laughs) All right. We've got a lot more. We've got uh, more specific Notre Dame football conversation. We've got uh, some college. He he meant your show. Our show. Well, well, thanks. I mean, I'm going off about Top Gun and and Larry's saying, no, it's you guys. Well, I'll, you know, I'll take that as well. Thank you very much, Larry. (laughs) Somebody, somebody get that guy. You know, he needs a star or something. Is there like a rating system for know, our listeners right? that we can give them as well? <laughs> you're awesome. Hey, thanks again, everyone, for uh, you know for tuning back in. If you weren't with us yesterday, if you're new, thanks for stopping in. And you know, we're going to be doing this every night at six o'clock. So uh, looking forward to it. Vince is going to be with me Mondays and Tuesdays. And again, you will meet my Wednesday guy tomorrow. You will meet my Wednesday or my Thursday guy on Thursday. So I'm looking forward to that 
as well. Vince has experience with both of them. And, uh, you know, regardless of which of the three, I think you're still going to have a lot of fun. So I'm not, I'm not going to compare the three of you guys. I was asked to do that before. And I got, remember I got in trouble. So you were listening. Remember? Oh yeah. Remember when when Bobby said, you know, like, Oh, you know, I'm your favorite guy. Yeah. I'm like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you talking about? Yeah, absolutely. That's right. All right. We're completely off the rails. Yes, Let's wrap it up. Talk to you. Talk to uh, talk to you tomorrow night, six o'clock right here on <laughs> IB Nation Sports Talk.